before we get rolling, I have an announcement for high school. Uh, we mentioned it last Wednesday, but I just want to remind you, this Wednesday, June 1st, we will not be having high school. Uh, one, I believe it's the last day of school, but more importantly, more importantly than that, it is Karen and I will be celebrating 25 years of wedded bliss. I'm not sure she would say what it blissed. I will say that. It has been an absolute joy. Uh, God has blessed me with the perfect uh, helpmate. And I love her very much. And thank you, Karen. And then I want to honor you. I know she, she kind of like sometimes tells me, like, you're a little hard on me from the pulpit sometimes. And so I need to take... Uh, I need to take the opportunity just to say how thankful I am, and uh, God is good to us. And you know, sometimes people say, what is the secret? I'm still young. I couldn't tell you. I know we love Jesus together. And uh, we saying Jesus is better. Life has not been easy. We've gone through trials just like everybody else. But more than once, we've looked at each other, and we've said Jesus is worth all of it. And uh, that really is a theme in our marriage. So I am thankful for that. At the end of the month, we'll be getting away and uh, celebrating uh, without kids and that, no offense kids, but we're really pumped about that. So uh, <clears throat> anyways, the other thing I, w- I want to mention too is, is how thankful I am for the men and women who have given their lives for our country. And that's, you know, it's barbecue day tomorrow. I understand that. But take time to remember and to pr- Thank God. Give thanks to our Savior who, undeservedly so, by the way, I know we think highly of ourselves as Americans, and we're blessed. We certainly are. And in some ways, we've done some things right. It's only by the grace of God. We need to remember that. But give thanks for those who have given their lives for our freedom. We are here today because I think, here I am speaking, I'll be talking about speaking the truth, so I hope I get this right. I'm not intentionally trying to, but I think I heard from since 1776, about 1.3 million people have given their lives for our country. I'm thankful for that. And let's pray God's blessing to pour out upon our nation that we would turn our eyes to Jesus, that we would see who the true ruler is, who is the sovereign one. It's Jesus Christ. God has established his throne in the heavens and it's his sovereignty that rules over all. But I am thankful for what... uh, what people have done for us to have these freedoms. And I know many of you have served, but I've been told by people who have served that they really, you can correct me after if I'm wrong, but they're like, you don't have to thank me tomorrow for serving. Remember those who gave their lives. And then on uh, Veterans Day, we will remember those who are currently with us and serving. But uh, we've been blessed, amen? All right. Now we've got to Transition. We're in Ephesians 4. Why don't you turn there? And I was going to ask you a question today. How many of you remember some of the Sunday school songs that you sang as a, as a little one? Do you, some of you have a pretty good handle. How, just out of curiosity, how many of you, if you'll raise your hands, just, just for me to know, how many of you grew up, maybe like from day one or from an early age, going to church and going to Sunday school? Would you raise your hand? How many of you, this is relatively new, like maybe teenage years on? Okay, so, you know, we have, a, we have a mix. Isn't that great? God saves people at different ways, different times. But we have these Sunday school songs that we, we really learn to love them. Uh, and then when we become parents, we start singing them to our kids. 
And they've really stood the test of time. And uh, I was thinking about one of those as I was pre- preparing the sermon for today. And, uh, you know, a couple came to mind. The B-I-B-L-E. Yes, that's the book for? I stand alone on the word of God. The B-I-B-L-E. Isn't that a good thing to teach our kids? We stand alone on the word, which reveals Jesus Christ. I like this one too. I really like this one as a boy. The wise man built his house upon the rock. Remember in the house on the sand went, I used to love this part, splat. Remember being three, four years old and I like, I emphasized the splat. I liked that part. My God is so great, so strong and so mighty. There's nothing my God cannot do. We teach our kids these truths. We sing with them. But there's one I wanted to think, I thought about, and I wanted to mention today. Zacchaeus was a wee little man. A wee little man was, what did he do? Kind of in the sycamore tree for the Lord he wanted to see. And as the Savior passed his way, he looked up in the tree, and what did he say? He called him to salvation. Zacchaeus, you come down for I'm going to your house today. Scandalous. Not only was Zacchaeus a tax collector, treasonous to Israel, treasonous to his countrymen, in partnership with the Romans, but it says he was the chief tax collector. That will make you well-loved in the Jewish community at that time. Not. You will be hated. You there are held in regard as the chief of sinners. You are held as the worst of the worst. And here Jesus Christ is walking into Jericho and he says, Zacchaeus, I am calling you to salvation. And we see this in Luke 19, verses 1 through 10. And it's only in Luke that we see this great story of what? A true transformation. Zacchaeus was changed. In fact, he says, he says this, if I have defrauded anyone, I'm going to pay them back four times. I'm going to make this right. And Jesus himself says, I'm going to tell you, today salvation has come to this house. Why? And look at this promise. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. You see, Zacchaeus was transformed. Zacchaeus was, was changed by Jesus Christ from a life of treason against his people to one who was following Christ. Have you ever wondered what happened to Zacchaeus? This is all we get, 10 verses. I will say this. We know that his salvation was 100% genuine because Jesus declared it. We know that his life was changed by the gospel. And then... I found this. We have to be careful with some of this. And so this is not gospel truth. But some early church traditions from the second century have Zacchaeus in church leadership in Caesarea. That he was a bishop there. Now we don't know this for sure. But you know what? We have a life that has been changed. And in our passage... We see today that we too are like Zacchaeus. We too are like Paul. If you have tasted the gospel, if you have been called to Christ by the gospel of grace, you have been transformed. You have been changed. You are new. We are no longer living the old way. 
And in, past, in uh, Ephesians 4, we're seeing Paul exhort the church to live our lives as those who have been radically transformed or changed by the gospel. You see, all of us can testify to the fact that we've been transformed and changed by the gospel. We can't forget it. You have a testimony of transformation. You can tell people, I was once lost, now I'm found. And I don't know your specific issues, but some of you could say, I was this, now I'm holy. I was in sin, I was dead, now I'm alive. Some of you have tremendous sin that you have victory over because of Jesus Christ. You see, the gospel changes and transforms us. In Christ, we are made new. You understand that? This is not just duct tape. This is not just a little bit of a fix. This isn't get the duct tape out, get the string up, tie the exhaust, you know, tie the muffler to the, to the bumper and hope it works. This is us being radically changed by the gospel. And we have this through Christ. We've seen this so clearly in Ephesians, haven't we? I mean, just think where we've already been in Ephesians chapter 1, 2, 3, and 4, where we've already been. Here's some of the things that we've seen. We've been chosen in Christ to be holy and blameless, while without Christ, we were vile and condemned. We've been adopted in love as sons through Jesus Christ, and we were formerly orphans. We've been redeemed and we've been forgiven. We were formerly slaves to sin. But now grace has been lavished upon us. We were formerly in darkness, but now we know the mystery of his will. We were dead in our sins, and we've been made alive. We were children of wrath, and now we are raised up with Christ and seated with him. And we are his workmanship, created for good works in Christ Jesus. You see, with all that God has done for us, when we see our salvation in Jesus Christ, Paul now is showing us all this, and now he moves into chapter 4, and what's he tell us? Because of everything that happens, now live your life or walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. And he's going to tell us, and he is showing us what that worthy walk looks like. And so now we come upon verses 17 through 32, which will clearly tell us a couple of things and we looked at this last week, and we're going to continue on in our study today. And last week we saw this, do not live your life like an unbeliever. Because of the gospel, because of what God has done for us, because grace has been poured out in your life, we no longer live like an unbeliever. Because we've been changed. We saw that the unbeliever's life is darkened in understanding. We see that it's a life lived alienated from God because of the ignorance in them due to the hardness of their hearts. Don't you love that passage? I believe it's in Ezekiel. I will give you a new heart. The life of an unbeliever is callous to sin. It's a life that is no longer bothered by their sinful actions. It's a life without self-control. Paul says that they have given themselves up to sensuality and without Christ, and they have a greediness and a craving for sinful impurity. And that greediness for sin and that craving for sin, it marks the life of those who have hardened their hearts against the gospel. That is not who we are, so we don't live that way. And Paul says it, but 
You did not learn Christ this way. This is not what's true about the believer. This is not what's true about the, uh, those of us who have life in Christ. We've been told and taught by Jesus this. Live your life as one who is made new. Live your life as a new creation. In Christ, we've been made new, we've been changed, and we're now different. We've been transformed, and we now live a new life in Jesus Christ. Look at verse 22 of chapter 4. Actually, we'll start at verse 20. But that is not the way you learn Christ, assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus. And what have we been taught? To put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires. And to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Put off the old self. Why? Why are we to put that away? Why are we to put that off? Answer, it's no longer who we are. That is not you. That is not us. It is not me. We have been made new. Our old self belongs to our former manner of life, and that manner is, and that way of life is corrupt through deceitful desires. Our old way of life is broken, it's corrupt. I like that word corrupt. That's what Paul is saying. This is corrupted. Any of you ever corrupt anything? Ever corrupt a recipe? Too much salt? Ever done that? Misread it? Take a bite like, whoa, a little too much salt there. Pass the pepper. <laughs> Got to cut it. Not enough sugar. All right, I don't want to offend anybody, but have you ever had a corrupted cookie? Now, anytime someone says, hey, try my healthy cookie, <laughs> run. <laughs> and it may be healthy, but as one who is a connoisseur of cookies, <laughs> I can tell you for a fact that that cookie has been corrupted by carob, and honey, it's not a cookie. It's a health bar. Don't call it a cookie. And if you like health bars, I think that is fantastic. But you see, we take something that's good, and when we add something that doesn't belong, it becomes corrupt. And our old way is corrupt, and our new way is in Christ. And is there any corruption in Christ? No. So we don't live that way. We are to put off the old self. What that means is to shed it, to remove it. Again, it's not a part of us. We're to live like those who have new life in Christ. Look how Paul describes this life. He says this, remember, uh, he says this, be renewed in the spirit of your minds. We have a new way of thinking when we're made new. <coughs> remember Romans 12, 1 and 2? I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies to present yourself, to present all you are is what that's saying, as what? A living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is worship, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world. Don't let the world squeeze you in, is what that's saying. Don't be squeezed into its mold, but be 
transformed, be changed. How? By the renewal of your mind. That by testing, you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. You see, we are to be renewed in the spirit of our minds and we're to put off the old self and put on the new self. And I want to look today at how Paul describes the new self. And it says this, the new self is created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Living as a new creature is this, the child of God will walk in righteousness and holiness. And how is that done? It's done through Jesus Christ, not by self, not by self-effort, not by trying harder, but it's being in Christ. And that life will be righteous and holy. You see, Scripture is clear that we are new in Christ and we're changed and we're renewed. We need to know what God has done. He has made us new. Turn to 2 Corinthians chapter, chapter 5. We're jumping in the middle of a, of, a, of a chapter here, but start at verse 16. From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is what? A new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All of this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. I didn't plan on stopping here, but I got to stop. Isn't this awesome? Not in my notes, but I just have to say this. We've been made new. We've been reconciled to God. We've been made right with God. We've been made one with God. We are with him. But not only that, guess what we have now? Good news to share with others. We have the ministry. We have the job to pronounce reconciliation and salvation in Jesus Christ. We say, look what God has done to me. I am reconciled to God through Jesus Christ, and you can too. We have a ministry. We have a job to do. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them. Sounds like Psalm 103, huh? and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. We represent Christ. No worries. It was actually impressive. I'm like, that is a strong voice. 
I'm a bit insecure now. <laughs> Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal <laughs> through us. I love you guys. <laughs> Thank you for letting me be me. And, 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 uh, and, uh, but I don't want to make light of God's word either. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us. We implore you. We strongly ask you. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. I'm struck now, even now I, again, not in my notes, we have the ministry of reconciliation. And I just saw, we implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. If you do not have a relationship with Jesus Christ today, can I beg you to run to Jesus Christ? In him is righteousness. In him is reconciliation. You right now, apart from Christ, if you don't know Christ, you are dead in your sins. You are living a life separated from God. You do not have true life. You are spinning your wheels and you are floundering and you are not in good shape, and you will face judgment. Run to Jesus and the cross. It is in the cross we have reconciliation. And I beg you, do not leave today without salvation from Jesus Christ. Would you please run forward and talk to me after, and we will explain and show you through the scriptures what God has done for you. What a ministry we have. Look what God has accomplished for us through Christ. Turn to Romans 8. One of my favorite chapters. Anytime I have an opportunity to turn to Romans 8, I think I'm going to take it. We'll just take some passages out of Romans. Look at 12, verse 12. So then, brothers, we are debtors not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, the old way, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Dad! Abba, Father, the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God, and if we are children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. Run down to verse 28. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to his purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed 
into the image of his son in order that for this purpose that he might be the firstborn among the brothers and those whom he predestined he called and those whom he called he also justified and those whom he justified he also glorified. We do not live the old way. We are now in this chain of salvation. We've been justified and we are in the process of being made like Jesus Christ. And one day, and I hope it's soon, we will be with Jesus and we will be like him and we will be changed and we will see him. For I am confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will perfect it until the day of Christ Jesus. We do not live in the old way and we are now empowered by God's grace to live out our lives as new creatures. We have a new identity we have a mind that is being renewed. So right now, we live as ones who have been made new. In verses 25 in chapter 4 of Ephesians, if you want to turn back, please. In 25 through 32, Paul is going to show us what that life looks like. Paul is going to say that our life is now one that actively removes sinful habits and replaces them with righteous and holy habits. In these verses, Paul's going to show us what our new life looks like. And I like how one commentator pointed it out as I read this week, a few things about this section of scripture. And as we study in these verses and we look at them, we'll note that these practices are relational on how we relate to one another. Paul is giving us examples of behavior that will change how we live within our community both in our neighborhoods, but also our community of Christ here in our church. You know, it's important for us to know that our sin affects others negatively. But also, our righteous living will also be a blessing to those around us. You see, you don't sin in a vacuum. When you sin, it affects the body of Christ. But when we live righteously, it also blesses the body of Christ. So let's live as ones who've been made new. So Paul will first give us a negative action and then a positive action. Paul is saying this, say no to sin, say yes to God. You see, you don't just throw off and take off the stained shirt and throw it away. You remove it and you put on new clothes. Here's another wide observation. Paul will give us theological reasons for why we should throw away the old and put on the new. An example of this, we're going to soon see, maybe in the weeks to come. Put away lying. Why? Because we are members of one another. He speaks of the church. See, we live differently because we know the truth. So our, the truth or our theology is not for head knowledge only, but it's to change our lives. What we know to be true about God then moves us to action. And we live differently because we know the truth. You see, what we know about God, what we know about sin, what we know about the devil, what we know about the Holy Spirit, what we know about the church, and what we know about Christ's death and resurrection affects the way we live. That is the purpose of theology, to know God not just intellectually, to be smarter, but to be holy and righteous. And it's his grace that empowers us to do this. Now, there is no way we're going to get through every list here, and we're just going to take one today. 
So let's look at it and let's just start. The first, let's read our text. <clears throat> I'm going to read the whole thing so that we just remind ourselves of the context, even though we just spent some time doing that. Now this I say, and testify in the Lord, that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do, in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, due to their hardness of heart. They have become callous, and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. But that is not the way you learned Christ. Assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus, to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as good for building up. This fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. As we see what this walk looks like, what our new life in Christ looks like, our first one is this. We replace lying with truth-telling. We had a life that formerly lied, but now we have a life that is telling the truth, that is committed to truth. Having put away falsehood, let each of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. You know, this is quoting Zechariah in chapter 8. Speak truth to one another, render in your gates judgments that are true, and make for peace. And then Paul adds this, for we are members of one another. You see, our words greatly affect one another. What we say matters. False words will hurt the whole body. What would happen if our body started lying, lying to us? If our eyes told, a, told our feet an untruth? I think I've had that happen. You can make that jump. I don't think it told what was in here that I can make the jump. I don't have the springs anymore. What if it says that cookie sheet isn't hot and we get burned? More seriously, falsehood will kill unity in a church. But truth will strengthen unity in a church. You see, we are united together. We are united in Christ, and false words will indeed hurt all of us. It's so important for God's people to be truth-tellers, isn't it? Scripture's clear. God hates lying. Proverbs 6 says this, God hates a false witness who breathes out lies. 
we know this. Satan is a liar. John 8. Satan is the father of lies. You know when we lie, who do we imitate then? Satan. Remember in last week we looked in Romans 1? Idolatry is this. Idolatry is exchanging the truth of God for what? A lie. What about our witness? What power, this ministry of reconciliation that we see, that we have, what power will that have coming from lying lips? You're known as a liar. And then you have the opportunity to share the truth of the gospel. That's horrific. We have life-changing truth, and so God's people must be truth-tellers. We must be careful, and we must be vigilant to be truth-tellers, and we need to be truth-tellers in all areas of our lives. By the grace of God, let's be a people, myself included, who are not known for exaggeration. I love telling stories. I, li- I like to be funny, if you haven't figured that out. And you know how it goes. Maybe you don't. Maybe you don't like to be funny and sort of like, what's up with Ron? He's weird. We know that. But you're telling a story and you, you see there's some traction going and, and some laughs are happening. You're like, hey, 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 this is kind of fun. And then you start adding to it. I guess it's confession time. I guess I'm alone in that. You spice up a story for some extra effect. I wrote this down in my notes. You see, we have the gospel that we share. Keep that in mind. We have a ministry of reconciliation. We have a ministry that declares the truth. We declare Jesus, who is the truth. Golfers, don't lie on your scorecard. What'd you get? Four. More than once, I've done the whole, you know, neck turn. Really? Okay. I'm going to take you at your word. (laughs) Missed missed a couple. Yeah, mulligans. Yeah, which isn't really in the rules, but that's a whole other discussion. If you lie on your scorecard, can you believe when you're given the opportunity to share the gospel during the 18 holes? You're like, man, Ron, you're being harsh. But do you see what we have? Do you see this treasure we have? We have the gospel. We have Jesus Christ. We have the greatest treasure we can offer someone. And if we're ones who fudge on everything else, when we have the most important thing to declare, they'll go, I don't know about that. I think Ron's saying his life's been changed by Jesus. He's exaggerating again. May it never be. May the truth come out of my lips that Jesus Christ changed me. I was dead in my sins and now I'm alive. We must be people who tell the truth. Jesus said it. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And when we tell the truth, we imitate God. When we lie, we imitate Satan. Oh boy, we don't have a ton of time. And I know some of you, I think we're clear on this, right? This is simple yet hard. Sales. 
Hey, Ron, did you, I've told you guys this before. Ron, did you take care of that return for me? No. I'll take care of it for you. Sometimes, you know, the salesman trick. I got you covered. You didn't say yes, you didn't say no. Is that the truth? Nope. Speak the truth. Oh, man, sometimes it's hard. But we obey. We obey because we carry the treasure of Christ. And we must be people who speak truth. And I know some of you are asking this. Is it ever okay to lie? People go to a couple examples. Exodus 1, you have the Egyptian midwives. Remember that? Pharaoh says, kill the men. Kill the boys that are being born. And the midwives... Pharaoh goes to him and says, hey, this isn't working. What do the midwives say? Hey, these Hebrew women, man, they, they, uh, they have the babies too quick. And we, we're not there. They don't need midwives. Did they tell Pharaoh the truth? No. Do you know what it says? It says God blessed them. But it says he blessed them because they feared God. It is not the lie that brought the blessing. It is the fear of God. And then Rahab, remember Rahab, the two spies? Hey, where are they? Oh, they're gone, gone. Well, where were they? On the roof. She's in the hall of faith in Hebrews. It's having great faith. It is her faith in God that blessed her and her family. Yet these are difficult questions. What do I think? Is it ever right to lie? You heard earlier what I believe. God hates lying. Lying is the old. Put away the old. Put away falsehood. Speak truth. And speaking truth is the new way of life. You know, most people ask this, is it okay to lie to save a life or protect other Christians Say you're in North Carolina. Uh, North Carolina. Yeah, what if you're in North Carolina? What if you're in North Korea? Big difference, sorry. My parents just got back from North Carolina this week. I think it was just on my brain. Wow. My notes do say North Korea, by the way. <laughs> what if you're in North Carolina? What if you're... <laughs> What if you're in North Korea, in all seriousness, where Christians are, di- are dying and persecuted and put to death? Hey, do you know of other Christians? What do you say? Turn to Matthew 10. I think there's a promise in Scripture from Christ that if we ever find ourselves in moments of persecution, where we're being interrogated, Jesus gives us some instruction. Verse 16 says this, Behold, I am sending you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. So be wise as serpents and innocent as doves. Beware of men, for they will deliver you over to courts and flog you in their synagogues. And you will be dragged before governors and kings for what? For my sake. To bear witness before them and the Gentiles. When they deliver you over, 
Do not be anxious how you are to speak or what you are to say. For what you are to say will be given to you in that hour. <coughs> Look at this. For it is not you who speak, but the spirit of your father speaking through you. We just talked earlier and I started off, we're blessed in this country, aren't we? We don't face this type of persecution yet. The day may come. And sometimes we say, we get into these hypothetical situations. Should I lie? Should I not? What does scripture show us? The spirit will speak for us. If that happens, start praying and God will work. And if you get delivered over to death, is that so bad? We're with Christ. In fact, sometimes dying brings a testimony to the rest of the world that we have the truth. Would you die for a lie? No, but we will give our lives for the truth by the grace of God. In times of stressful persecution, the Holy Spirit will work powerfully within us. Don't look for exceptions to what God clearly teaches. I think that's important. I think we ask questions and we're looking for exceptions, but I, scripture gives no specific exceptions to this truth that God hates lying. And I believe he does because we are his ambassadors and he is true. So don't mess up the message by being one who's known as a liar. We speak truth. Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each of you speak truth with his neighbor for we are members of one another. In the next few weeks, we'll be continuing our study. We're going to see what our new life looks like. Man, aren't we studying a great book? I'm so thankful for Paul. The transformation in his life. You talk about someone who persecuted the church, and now we have deep, rich, doctrinal instruction for how we're to live our lives. I love it. Paul was a man, as scripture says, moved by the Holy Spirit who spoke for God. Says that in Peter. I love the scriptures. I love what God has done. We have a message. We have the truth. Let us be people of the truth. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we thank you Thank you for your word. Lord, I just thank you for this body of Christ. I thank you for the joy we have in you. Lord, I thank you that we laugh and we smile together. We love each other. But yet, Father, we, we take seriously what your word says. Father, because of what you've done for us, we desire to live lives that represent you accurately, that reflect holiness, that are holy and righteous because of what Jesus has done for us on the cross. And so, Father, may we be a people who put away falsehood. May we be known as those who speak the truth, speak the truth in love to our neighbors. Father, that we speak truth to one another, that we are quick to run to the scriptures, to declare you because you are the way and you are the truth and you are the life. We have a great message to give. May we handle it properly. May we be ambassadors for you who minister to others the reconciliation that we see in the cross of Jesus Christ. 
thank you for this morning. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.